When it comes to marketing regional and rural small businesses, there's two big things we want to be looking for, and that's bang for your buck and opportunities to put things on autopilot. I'm really excited to bring you one of my local radio reps from our regional radio station, Fiona Ladeek, as she talks about the benefits of radio when it comes to promoting your regional and rural small business. Now, we covered a lot of ground in this chat, everything from what you get from your radio investment to how it stacks up against social media. And I didn't want to leave anything out, so I've actually cut our conversation into two parts. So in this one, we're going to talk about what radio can actually bring to your small business marketing for a surprisingly affordable investment. A lot of people think radio is beyond their reach, but in this episode, hopefully you'll see how achievable it is and how much of the heavy lifting your local radio station could be doing in terms of getting ears and then subsequently eyes on your business. Ready? Let's jump in. You're listening to Taking Back Joy, a more than marketing podcast. This is where we dive into how to market your regional and rural small business sustainably without being stuck to your screen. I'm your host, Meredith Page, and I was born and raised in a small town full of fantastic small businesses. And now I'm doing the same with my own family. I'm a marketing coach, a mum and a wife, and I want to share with you everything I've learned and I'm still learning about juggling a family, business growth, mental well-being and healthy boundaries. Here we market smarter, not harder, so we can take the busyness out of our businesses. If you're running a small business, raising small humans and trying to make a big difference in a small town, you're in the right place. This is Taking Back Joy. I'm obviously ex-Sydney, so I moved out of Western Sydney to the area in 2014. And I think, my I'll be honest, my initial kind of, um, my initial attitude towards radio in the country was that it was too expensive or it doesn't work. People are on podcasts now. No one listens to radio. That was my kind of misconceptions. However, having worked with like bricks and mortar businesses in regional areas, the customers will come in and mention things they've heard on the radio. So it obviously has a really high impact with within a specific geographic yeah, area. Yeah. So what would you say the difference would be between, say, yeah. metropolitan radio and country radio? I think I think the difference is the size of the market, for one, because um, the metropolitan areas have a much bigger potential listening audience. So... In terms of, say, Sydney, there's 6 million people in their potential listening audience, whereas in the country, say, the mid-coast area, we have more like around seventy-five to 80,000 potential listeners. The other difference they have is that they um, have a lot more competition within the radio stations themselves. So whereas we have one commercial radio station well, we actually have two because we have 2RE 88.9 and we have Max 107.3, but they're both super radio network stations, whereas in Sydney or one of the metropolitan areas, you might have four or five different commercial entities all vying for the same ears. How long have you been in the radio game for? 33 years. Wow. So do I really need to, I shouldn't really even be talking about that, but I've been in it a long, long time. 
Well, that's a really interesting span because you would have come through, obviously, commercial TV at its peak and then you would have seen, because obviously you're very in tune with what else is happening in the advertising space, you would have seen, obviously, commercial TV peak but then Foxtel be introduced and Foxtel's original value proposition was no ads and then they quickly had to flip on that. Um, And then you've also seen the rise of podcasting and things like that. So... What would you say that I suppose has held true for radio in amongst all that coming and going of different kinds of competition? Oh, look, Meredith, it's been an interesting journey because I actually started in newspapers. I, I did back in the, the day when we were um, learning to be journalists, we actually did cadetship. So we, we were actually, um, I was a cadet journalist even before I went into radio. So I really could see we used to make up the newspaper ads to put into the newspaper. So I've seen newspapers predominant. I've seen radio predominant. I've seen social media and the introduction of subscription TV. Um, But I I see radio as one of those constant medias. So when you look at the constant medias, is going to be, there's always going to be an audio one, there'll be a written one, and there'll be a, a, a screen. Radio is always going to be a traditional, um, experienced, very organic platform for instant news, rolling coverage of things that are happening in local and, re, um, and, and all over the world. Um, it's got a, a very broad customer base because we try to keep everything PG so we can have um, age groups from babies right through until elderly people listening to, to radio. So it's, um, I think it's, it's, it's um, success is in its longevity and the fact that it's very appealing across a whole range of demographics. So like, when you've got people that kind of put the feelers out to you and look, so start asking around about um, radio advertising, what are some like common misconceptions you hear from people, especially those that want to advertise on like regional and rural radio? What's, what's some of like the, the common sort of, yeah, misconceptions I have about the medium when they come to you asking about advertising? Yeah, I think what happens with, with radio advertising, it's the, the fear of the great unknown because they can hear it, they might hear it in their cars or they're hearing it at home, but actually engaging with a radio station might feel a little bit daunting. So they might think, oh, that's that's out there, you know, I'm hearing that in my car. How am I ever going to get my advertising across onto that medium? So I think they might, the barriers might include the fact that they might not know anyone who's actually that they could talk to at the radio station. They might know they might not know other businesses that are using the radio. Um, you know, they may not even be um, avid radio listeners themselves. And I think a whole lot of things come into play when uh, a business is deciding which um, channel to put their advertising into. So particularly um, younger business owners, because they probably haven't had the level of radio listening that we as older people probably have. So it might be a a completely different situation. Having said that, that's more, you'll find that a lot more in regional areas in Sydney. Um, 
that millions of people listen to um, breakfast radio and drive radio. So it's a completely different situation in, in the cities. So um, that's why with radio advertising, we have, and I'm one of these people, we have advertising consultants. So our job is to, to build awareness for radio advertising. So we might not have a lot of people come to us looking for advertising, but we will actually go out and search for potential advertisers. Really interesting. So do you think that's part partly because the the impact radio has on people is largely subliminal? Like do you think it's because it's not a medium when it when it's working, it's working because they're sort of listening it to it in the back room when they're at their local shops or and they're in the car or they're in a shopping centre, like they're in public spaces where it's being played and so it's not necessarily something they're actively engaging with but there's that subliminal impact that's having so they don't really know it's working i think it i think that's true what happens with the radio advertising is it depends on how the advertiser is doing it so it can be a situation where they might want an awareness campaign that might run on the the radio daily or they might have a call to action campaign and those two things will work completely different. But we also consider it theatre of the mind too. So while you, you might not be actively listening, you're definitely going to get some kind of connection with that ad anyway. So, mm. and, and the level of connection you're gonna have with that ad depends on where you are um, as a buyer of that product. So if, you, if it's a product that you may particularly be wanting to purchase in the next day or so or it's something of interest your ears will immediately tune in but if it's something that you're not actively seeking at that particular time it may just sort of flow through and um, your level of awareness of that product will definitely increase over time but you may not engage with that business as a buyer straight away but you will remember that business three months down the track when it's time for you to purchase their particular product they're offering. So, so yeah, so there's two different ways that goes. I suppose it also, it all contributes to that dripping tap theory too, isn't it? It's that I suppose because we are so saturated with advertising from all angles at the moment, yeah, you do have to be more persistent and more repetitive in more creative ways in order to stay top of mind. Like I find that with the mediums that I most mostly work with too, like email, social media, things like that. You do have to kind of, you almost have to be repetitive to the point where if you're bored by it or if you've heard it too much, you know you're being consistent enough, as in you, the business owner, because I think I know you probably have to have these same conversations with your customers in that not everyone will hear or see everything. So consistency and repetition is a good thing. No matter how much or how little you're investing in your regional small business marketing and no matter what platforms you're showing up on, a website is a critical part of any successful strategy. Why? Well, on social media, you're competing with notifications, tags and cat videos, right? If customers are listening to the radio or a podcast, they need something to Google when your ad catches their interest. And if they get a friendly referral to a product or service that's just right for them, they need to be able to find out more, make an appointment, jump on your newsletter list, or maybe take advantage of an offer. A website can act as a 24-7 salesperson for your small business. Want to know more? Head over to my website, meredithpage.me, see what I did there, 
and book a free 20-minute chat so we can talk about what kind of website your regional and rural small business needs. That's M-E-R-E-D-I-T-H-P-A-I-G-E dot M for marketing, E for expert. And I'll see you in our 20-minute chat. Oh, 100%. Um, you know, we look at, if you looked at it in terms of a graph and um, say say you were a business that was just starting out, so you've just opened your, your shop down in Victoria Street in Tauri. So depending on um, any other introductory medium you might have used for advertising, you're going to be starting pretty well basically at zero. And at some point you have to climb you have to climb to a level level of awareness that anyone any one of your potential buyers will have some recognition that you're in the town. So that takes a lot of persistent advertising in whatever medium you choose. So it could be radio. You could have a, a, a really strong radio campaign. We tend to think in terms of its recency, frequency and potency. So mm-hmm. you need to engage with the buyer as close to the time that they're potentially going to buy your product, you have to do it frequently enough that they're going to, oh, yeah, I've heard that a couple of times today. Yes, I do need that. I'm going to go there on the way home. And your potency is the offer itself. So it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if you have the most amazing product. If there is no market for that product in the area that you're advertising or on the medium that you're advertising, it's not going to work. So it's recency, frequency, and potency are the three really, things you have to look at. I really like that idea of potency because it kind of links back to a lot of the stuff that I talk about where your marketing isn't actually about you. It's about the people most likely to do business with you. Like that's true for your website, your social media posts, everything. I think the biggest misconception that I see is that people go into marketing thinking they have to talk about themselves when really you kind of your marketing should be talking around the problems or the challenges or the objectives of your potential customer and just how you can be a vehicle to a solution. Um, yeah. So do you find you have to, you, you do a lot of coaching with businesses or sort of a quasi coaching around crafting an offer that will actually generate action? Absolutely. What we look at are the three P's when it comes to an advertising campaign. So we look at, um, so say it's, say it's a club. So we see the club, the club is there. So um, the club is the product. And so then what is the product's product? So if we look at the the club and we're looking at a restaurant within a club, we would see the food and the drink would be the product's product. So then we like to even drill down even further and go to the product's product's product. So that will be a feeling. It will be a feeling that Ah, people are going to get. Yeah, so so the the third P is always the feeling. The feeling's going to be, oh, I've just had my 70th birthday at, at the club. I've had some beautiful food. I feel amazing. I've had a, a, a loving time with my family. I've had a ball with my friends. So that's the third P. That's when you when you're trying to formulate your ad, that's where you, you try to nail that that third P. 
I love that, that philosophy. And that's such a great way of looking at it because that then guides the language of the ad, that guides the guides the objective. It's um and people from like from what I've sort of read and experienced, people make decisions based on emotions and then their logical brain just justifies that decision thereafter. But the decision is normally made first and foremost by that primal part of our brain that relies on like emotions and instincts. So speaking to the results and emotions and instincts is a way to, yeah, moves the needle closer to taking action and then the logical brain will go, oh, so the emotional brain sort of says, I want that experience with my family. I want to have that dinner table experience with my family. I don't want to have to cook or clean afterwards. So going out somewhere to do that would be great. Oh, well, logically speaking, I've got so-and-so's birthday coming up. Why don't I book in to the club for the birthday there? And so it's a really, it's a really great way of um of looking at it and getting people to focus on the right thing when they're putting the ad together, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And it also then um, the ad itself will have meaning. So you could be saying something like, okay, so um, we have, um, you know, rump steak for $12.90 tonight. Okay, so that is come, come and have that steak at our club. I mean, that's a call to action, but it's not, giving it's not emotive, any emotion it? it's mm. not giving any emo- emotion to that to that meal so anytime that you can drill right down to the feeling you're always going to have a better outcome in terms of um what your your potential customer is going to hear or see or read or any of those sort of things whatever um channel of advertising you're using so it's um i mean there's definitely a place for um short sharp um call to action campaigns too there's nothing wrong with them um but if you want to have a true meaningful relationship with your potential customers the more you can get down to the third p the better off you are well it shows that you really understand what it is they want and you're not just pushing product at them like i kind of like to think of it as you shouldn't sort of think about what you do as products and services it should be problems and solutions because that shifts the focus away from what you do to what they need and you simply facilitate what it is that they need and and people and people they'll they'll resonate with you if you if they feel like you understand what it is that they need um i feel like with radio too it's um it's also because i think you've probably seen this over the course of your career as well where there's been this shift from people investing in contractors and service providers to do their marketing for them and knowing they've got to have a couple of eggs in a couple of different baskets to then there was this oh um I think and I I feel like obviously not being old enough to have been there firsthand but just sort of looking back and sort of extrapolating I feel like with the advent of internet and google and us having so much access to knowledge I feel like what happened in the business space was that more people went oh I can actually do this myself like I've set up all night googling how to do this thing that i would normally pay someone who designs flyers someone who creates advertising i can do that and so then there was this shift in the market for diy advertising and for the need for people to do everything themselves because they thought they were saving money um and now i feel like we're at this place where small business owners in particular feel like they have like the marketing of their business feels like such a mammoth task because so much of it does feel like it has to be DIY, like social media and 
emails and websites and and so I think radio presents a really good opportunity to go back to working with someone who can just take the core of whatever it is that you're trying to achieve and do it for you to the best of their ability so it's like one less thing you've got to do but you know that pot's on the boil in the background absolutely what I think with all of that sort of thing is what is the opportunity cost of doing it on your on your own Mm. So if you're, if you're hustling, if you're at a stage in your life where you're really hustling, do you want to spend eight hours and work at five o'clock and then spend another three hours after the kids have gone to bed, after you've done everything else, trying to write that ad, do up the flyer, work on your website, any of those things, there's going to be an opportunity cost and it depends on whether you're prepared to pay it. And are you confident enough that you can deliver a better product for yourself than engaging the, ser- the services of a marketer or a graphic designer, um, web engineer that can do the job for you without all the hassle? Thank you for joining me for another episode of Taking Back Joy. Did this episode happen to spark an idea in your business brain? I'd love to hear how this topic helped you. So take a screenshot of you listening right now, post it to Instagram and tag me at meredithpage.me and tell me in the caption what your big takeaway was from this episode. Thanks guys. See you next time.